This podcast is produced by Unedited. The Songwriters Podcast is in association with the Ivers Academy and PRS for Music M Magazine. My name's Louise Golby. I'm an independent artist and I've been writing and performing my own music for quite a while now. As a songwriter myself, I'm very interested in the art of songwriting, how song ideas come about, what triggers certain lyrics, or how a melody or musical idea is started. In this series, I've interviewed some of the UK's leading songwriters and artists, discussing their songwriting techniques and stories behind their biggest songs and collaborations. My guests have written tracks for the likes of Stevie Wonder, Tina Turner and Cher, as well as receiving MBEs, Grammys, Ivan Novellos and number one singles for their work. The first guest to kick off the second series is a multi-platinum songwriter, singer and multi-instrumentalist who has fast become one of the most in-demand top-line writers on the UK music scene. She's written international hit songs for the likes of One Direction, Lewis Capaldi, Tom Walker, Joy Crooks, Steflon Don, Five Seconds of Summer, Mika, Steps and the Backstreet Boys. And she's been a judge for the Ivan Novello Awards. As an artist in her own right, she's toured with Ed Sheeran, Nick Mulvey and Adamant. And her latest EP, Wild Angels, Sweet Demons, went straight to number three in the iTunes singer-songwriter chart. I'm honoured to have had the opportunity to interview Fiona Bevan about her career as a songwriter and find out some more about the songs she's worked on. I opened with the question I've been asking all of my guests. If I was to introduce you with just one song, what would it be? Your hand fits in mine like it's made just for me But bear this in mind, it was meant to be And I'm joining up the dots with the freckles on your cheeks And it all makes sense to me Yeah, the day we wrote Little Things, I'd invited Ed Sheeran round for a cup of tea, basically, which is a hilarious sounding thing to say. But actually, you know, as you know, like he was around on our scene, wasn't he? And we'd all been like gigging together for for quite a while. And, um, and, and, you know, he was... I knew he was doing co-writing and I loved what he was doing and I really wanted to write a song with him and I knew he was making an album. So I kind of said to him one day, look, should we try and write something together? And he was really up for it. And um, yes, he came around one afternoon for a cup of tea and we ended up writing Little Things. And it was like, I mean, obviously, we'll probably chat more about it, but it was like my most life-changing song, you know. And such a such a little song, but such a big life change, you know. Um, but the lyrics, I'd had this idea for ages, actually, about about a song that was full of little tiny details, but each thing really meant a lot. And and so I sort of proposed that idea, and I didn't really know it was going to be called Little Things, but you know. I was basically like, why don't we write a song that's full of all these like tiny little things and but somehow you can tell that there's a lot of meaning in those small details. And he really loved the idea. And then actually from there on in, it was like a proper co-write, you know, um, where we both wrote all the lyrics together and all the chords and all the melodies and stuff. So it was a really, you know, I hadn't done that much co-writing in that kind of scenario by that point you know I would all, I'd like been in bands a lot and done co-writing in those scenarios and done bits and pieces for like dance producers um but to sit down with another singer-songwriter and really really write together it was one of my earliest proper proper co-writes in that way so yeah it was a pretty amazing one <laughs> 
Wow. And was it just one session you did or was there several writing sessions for this song? Yeah, it was just one session. It was like, you know, probably about four hours, weirdly. You know, sometimes they come out quickly, don't they? Sometimes, for me, it does take a couple of days or if I'm writing on my own, sometimes I can tinker away at it for like a week, you know, and then slowly it kind of gets there. But I do love the ones where it just kind of pops out fully formed, you know, because it just... Well, then you know it's like catchy. Just, yeah, and it's just like one moment where you're just in the flow and it's somehow everything's just working and you're following the trains of thought and kind of getting to the moment you're trying to find, yeah. At the time, you thought it might be for his project or your project, but wasn't it true that it wasn't until years later that you got a call from Ed saying, oh, I've played it to One Direction or yeah. something. And then, <laughs> so, yeah how, yeah, how did that all come about? Yeah, so we did we did write it with him in mind because he was the one like making a record. He'd just signed to Atlantic and things like that. And and I think it does actually really fit his style and especially with that first album of his, it did really fit at that moment. Um but he was actually it was quite late during his album writing process and retrospectively I realized it was kind of a bit too late to be on that first album he'd basically done it already and it was also too ballady because he had a lot of ballads already so it was kind of late you know it never made it onto his first album and we didn't even I didn't even own a microphone at that point so we like at the end of the day we made a demo on his phone and I'd written out I wrote out all the lyrics on this big piece of paper and we made a little phone demo but then he his phone got lost or stolen and nothing ever happened you know and it was just such a strange story but like probably about a year or a year and a half later I kind of texted him one day and I was like do you remember that little song we wrote we should do something with it and he was like oh yeah you know um can you send me the lyrics and I like tore through my whole house trying to find that piece of paper and like <laughs> and found it <laughs> and I um, emailed him all the lyrics and he was like on a tour bus because it was just kicking off for him then and he made a little iPad you know garage band sort of demo on the tour bus and then like he played the opening ceremony for the Olympics with One Direction and so they were like hanging out backstage and that's how he made friends with them and he pitched them a bunch of songs actually and they really really loved little things and ended up using it and then by that November it was out and it kind of went straight to number one it was just like the most astonishing journey for that little song you know (laughs) were you happy with how it was produced like is it kind of how you pictured it when you were writing it yeah it's it's wonderful actually because it kind of sounds like how the demo sounds it sounds exactly how it did when we wrote it which was just like super simple nothing fancy going on just like the core emotion of the song was was just there and nothing got in the way of that it was so stripped down and acoustic and they hadn't really done a song like that before One Direction so it's like it really crossed over for them it was an important song for them it sort of took them out of their genre into a bit of a wider market if you know what I mean so yeah I think a lot of people who wouldn't really listen to One Direction before because they would they would have seen them just as like a boy band suddenly they were like oh I really love that kind of acoustic ballad kind of thing so it was amazing actually because you know those things are kept so secret sometimes so I didn't hear the song 
I didn't hear their version of it until like I heard it on iTunes, you know, wow. when it was out. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, hooray, like they didn't ruin it. <laughs> Did they take any writing credit on it in the end or is it still 50-50 you and Ed? Yeah, it's just 50-50 me and Ed, which is Brilliant. pretty astonishing. Yeah, that was really lovely because often big artists do take a cut, don't they? Um, especially if they've written a bridge or something or... So, or yeah, even just lucky. a word or a lyric change sometimes, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. so that was really amazing and extremely life-changing for me. Absolutely. And it was number one in like 13, 13 countries. And they, I think the album was number one in like 33 countries or something like that. But the single was actually... And it's weird because it was, it was just a digital... It wasn't really like a single. It was just everyone like cherry-picked it from the, you know, on iTunes or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So oh, I see what you mean. So it wasn't an official single, but it just yeah. did so well from the album that it became... Yeah, everyone bought that one song. So And they did do a beautiful video for it, which definitely helped. It was kind of a single because they did a video, but I guess they were just trying out a new format at that time as well, because it was 2012 when it came out, end of 2012. You got your publishing deal off the back of that, and then all the opportunities started coming. So tell us a bit more about that and the other big artists you've worked with. I mean, the reason it was so life-changing for me when that song came out was that I'd hardly had any songs released at that point and definitely hadn't had any songs out with other artists. So for my first song to come out with another artist and to go straight to number one just meant so much. It was so overwhelming. Um, But also I'd been really struggling to survive in London for quite a long time, just like gigging and selling CDs and working a few different day jobs. And it was just overwhelming to feel like oh my goodness this could be the start of an actual career that I can kind of survive off and get my foot in the door because I'd never known anyone in the music industry and I never really knew how to do it and and I just slowly like found out found my way and like learned and kept going but it was a very I had a very strange route to get to that point you know Um, all I knew was like to go out and play and meet everybody on the scene and collaborate that way and um and to keep writing and stuff and it turns out that is a good way (laughs) but like you know (laughs) but it was really overwhelming because it just I needed it so much at that moment you know and it was incredible to have a little team of people at the publisher so they were helping put me in sessions and things and like introducing me to producers and things so um so I did start doing songwriting sessions basically almost straight away after that and but one of the first things I also did with that money was record my own album which I'd been writing the songs for for a while but I'd never had like any money to actually go into a studio and make an album with a proper producer and that was brilliant because I it meant that then I toured that for a year and a half From the jaws of a bright-eyed tiger Now sleep much and wake up tighter But that's what we need Cause I could talk to you all night Touch you, feel you by my side But the morning comes and you always have to leave But you're too good to lose In terms of the songwriting I sort of slowly you know widened my network of like producers and songwriters and artists that I liked working with and 
because you know I hadn't really been in that world at all I'd been on the live scene with you and Ed and like um I mean you were probably already doing like way more co-writes than I was I'm not sure of your trajectory but but I like hadn't been you know I'd been really really on the live scene and gigging and stuff and it was really important to me to sort of not be like a one-hit wonder so I kind of suddenly was like I've got all these opportunities coming my way and I really really want to make the most of it and make a career for myself because it had been so hard up to that point you know what it's like trying to pay rent in London and like survive from gigging and everything so I think one of the next things after that that actually ended up coming out was um they my publisher put me in with five seconds of summer and I had three days with them and it was so fun and beautiful and then we wrote this song called Voodoo Doll and that came out on their first album. Tell me where you're hiding your voodoo doll Cause I can't control myself I don't wanna stay, I wanna run away But I'm trapped under your spell And it hurts in my head and my heart and my chest And I'm having trouble catching my breath So that was quite an important one for me and also it was like working with a band which was something I was really familiar with just from being in bands myself and things. And I suppose... Yeah, so I just slowly built it up and kind of tried to find my tribe in terms of different producers and artists and songwriters. And then after I'd sort of finished my own album cycle, um, I really like hunkered down and just did loads of co-writing for about three years. And and that was really good because it gave me a bit more of a solid foundation, I think. So I ended up having cuts with people like Aurora, who I absolutely love, Tom Walker and Lewis Capaldi. There's, you know, I did a song yeah. for Backstreet Boys, which was just like, if my teenage self could know <laughs> that that was <laughs> going to happen. What if I never run into you? What if you never smiled at me? What if I had noticed you too? And you never showed up where I happened to be. What's a girl like you doing in a place like this on a quiet night? What are the odds? What's a guy like me? Was that one, were you in the same room with them? Did you work together with them or was it kind of pitched to them? Yeah, it was basically pitched to them. And that has that hasn't happened to me very often at all. Like I've always had to like be in the room with the artist and help them express something they want to express or um, try and find out something they want to write about. And I think it's much more rare and much more difficult to get a song placed when you're just pitching, and you know, because you don't know what that artist is going through, and you've never met them, and you don't even know what key their voice sounds good in and like it's so much harder so I was very very lucky with that one that like um a producer ended up hearing it who was working with them and he oh is he so it wasn't written for them the song existed and then the producer heard it and went this would be good for Backstreet Boys yeah so it was just a like a love song I was on this like LA trip and I'd met someone that I really really liked and I was just a little bit like swept away and like felt really really in love and I was just like ah and I went walked into this session like on a pink cloud (laughs) and ended up like writing this beautiful love song and I suppose they're the ones they are usually the ones that make it through and end up coming out the ones where it's really really real and you're really feeling it whatever it is the emotion of it is really real and authentic and 
and big. I think people can feel when the emotion is real. You know, I think it's I think it's viral somehow that quality. It must be know? weird um, having heard Backstreet Boys singing those lyrics that are really personal to you. <laughs> <laughs> They're singing Fiona Bevan's love <laughs> <Yeah>. story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's so funny and I've never met them or anything but they've been like singing that every night with like dance moves and like big lights <laughs> it's so sweet do yeah. they know the story behind the song no I don't think so <laughs> <laughs> I really want to go and see them actually maybe next time I'll try and catch them in Europe some you know hopefully because it there's nothing more amazing than seeing someone sing your song in like a big in a big gig so moving and incredible and you're just standing there in the crowd and you're like thinking I wrote this and like no one who's around you knows that you're just standing there thinking, I, wrote <laughs> I think this you should song. just tell everyone <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> have you been to One Direction gigs when they've been playing little things well weirdly no and it's weird I mean I think when they did their sort of Wembley show after a few months after that album came out I was away I think I had been in like LA or I was gigging somewhere and I missed it and I was gutted actually because like I knew some people that were there and some people who'd taken their kids or whatever or and they were just like it was amazing everyone was singing along all the words and I was like oh my god that'll probably never happen again I mean I hope one day I get to see them perform it if they ever get back together and do like a best of or something because those moments are just so strange and special there must be video footage no yeah yeah I'm sure there is yeah you'll have to scour YouTube (laughs) yeah (laughs) um I actually wanted to talk about at the beginning of your songwriting so as an artist as well I want to know how were you do you remember the first song you wrote um were you with the guitar were you, was it a melody driven song like do you remember the beginning yeah I suppose I remember the first time when I was really little I remember sitting down at the piano and kind of composing and I mean you know if anyone had heard what I was playing they wouldn't have thought I was composing but I was making something up that I hadn't heard before and then going oh that sounds nice and then you know and I must have probably been about five or six or something and then and I remember the little light bulb going off of like oh wow I've just created something and even though it's probably a really normal chord structure or something you know but and then I didn't really start writing songs until I was about sort of 13 or 12 maybe um and it was just bits and pieces and but the first song that I ever kind of like finished was called Invisible and I wrote it on the guitar and it was a really nice little guitar riff. I didn't really know how to play guitar but I was always just messing around and like trying to find things that sounded nice. And um, and it was a kind of love song. <laughs> you know, I hadn't really been in love but I was like trying to write a love song. <laughs> um, but it was about a sort of missed opportunity um about it was about it not really working a sort of missed moment or something but it was very pretty it was really pretty little song actually I shouldn't say little should you it was a pretty song and it was a good and it was quite a strange interesting first attempt it wasn't really super normal I was already trying to find something interesting or different and I don't know if there are any recordings of that song but I ended up like performing it in the school talent show with my sister and a friend and we all did like three-part harmony and stuff so that by that time I was probably about 14 by the time we actually like performed it but 
I remember it had really nice harmony and stuff. It's weird, like in those days, you know, I didn't have a phone or a mic. I probably made a little cassette of it, you know, on like a dictaphone or something, but I didn't really have like a process when I was just... It took me years actually to like get a good process of like always writing little lyric ideas down in the same place on my phone or on an, in the same notebook, not just on like some scrap of paper in the wind, you know, like... Um, <laughs> Uh, it just took me ages to kind of because it's just trying to it's like catching butterflies isn't it catching ideas and you're mm-hmm. it's it's just so easy you know if you're half asleep or something or you're in the shower and you're like I'm sure I remember that idea and then later on you're just like oh I knew it was like this genius amazing idea and it's just like no idea what it was <laughs> yeah I've done that yeah I've thought yeah. of something in my sleep and I'm like, oh, it's okay, I'll remember it in the morning. And you never do. And it's really yeah. frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Dream songs. It's crazy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. When you're writing for pop artists, do you ever, does some of the ideas ever come from other instruments? Like, or are you mainly top line when you're, when you're writing with other well, artists? I suppose, yeah, I do mostly write top line because I'm often in with a producer and I don't usually take a producer role unless it's like a singer songwriter in which case they come around my house and we and I do make the demo but like I suppose if I've thought of ideas in advance usually that is me sitting down at the piano or guitar and using that to help me write some ideas but also in the moment I definitely get really inspired by like a really cool beat that a producer's made or a really beautiful sound or so and it's quite nice when those things come out from outside of yourself from someone else's mind um because it's just really fresh so I like really believe in collaboration in that way um because I think you always end up with something that you just wouldn't have made on your own and that's so powerful when I first started going to loads of sessions I did used to take my guitar but I quite quickly realized unless you're like the world's best guitarist and you're just like you know and you just want to lay down some licks and stuff it's you don't really need it everything feels so electronic now in like especially in pop sessions um but when I go and do like more country or folky things I do still sometimes take a guitar because if the artist is going to be playing their guitar sometimes you can like work out some guitar things together and it's really useful but you know I'm quite I'm quite like a jack of all trades on instruments and you know I didn't study that you know I didn't go to like music college or something and I can hear I do everything by ear really on instruments so it just depends what it is but fairly often in those scenarios I just go and and you know sometimes I'll end up playing the keyboard in the studio or something but quite often the producer's writing the chords and and everyone else will have a bit of input but it like you know it does get separated out a little bit sometimes in that way when you're writing for other people it really liberates you from yourself because you know in your own artist project you're always like well I wouldn't sing that because it's like it's like it's not how I would say it or it's not a melody that I would use or those chords are too cheesy or whatever it is because we've all got different little boundaries that we've put in place for ourselves as artists which helps you have an artistic identity I guess but like actually when you're writing for other people you're like okay well where is their cheese threshold um like (laughs) what lyrics would they say and how would they express this idea like how would that feel right um so in a way it's this incredibly like liberating process like musically and lyrically I found it a bit like 
I found it wonderful to be able to almost like an author of like a novel or whatever to like go into different characters you're you're really using your empathy I think when someone tells you a situation in their life that they're going through it's like even if you haven't been through that actual thing you're connecting up your emotion you know from a similar experience or a similar feeling and then using that to write the song so I think it's a real I think it's a really beautiful strange way of working actually and it's very human and it's very empathetic and like I really loved it so and also you know I love like a lot of different kinds of music there's not much that I don't listen to if you know what I mean and in most genres there's something about it that I really really like so it was a really good chance to like work in all kinds of different fields so during that time when I was just writing loads and loads you know I was writing like jazz songs and folk songs and rock songs and dance songs and like and you know just like so many different cool things I found it you know variety is the spice of life isn't it and it was so amazing just like really inspiring because obviously you did the collaboration with Steph Don and you actually feature on that so that's another genre altogether yeah. right because that's it's quite gar- yeah. garagey that track isn't it yeah it's cool isn't no, it no I love it she's so amazing (laughs) she's such a force I love her so much um yeah so that came about because I've been working with a producer that she was working with a lot called Rhymes and um he was like can you just send me choruses and I would send him just like bits and pieces I was working on and I would just record the vocals at home and send them over and then one day he was like oh cool yeah we've actually used this one and I heard it coming through the BBC radio and it was like my little vocal that I'd recorded in my bedroom and I was just like oh my god (laughs) it was a really lovely moment because I never really thought of myself as like a producer which a lot of girls don't you know a lot of girls are recording and are making things but they don't really say I'm a producer they just say oh I like made a little demo you know and it was really really good for me to be to hear my recording on the radio and and think okay, so something I made in my bedroom, the quality of it was good enough to be on the BBC, you know. So it was like, there are those little milestones, aren't there, when you're learning and moving forward, and they're really important, aren't they? Did you do a session with Natalie and Brulia? I feel like I saw something on Instagram a couple of years ago. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I've been working with her quite a lot over the last year and a half, I guess. Um, and she's amazing she's so lovely and she's so full of warmth and love and she's beautiful to write with and her voice still sounds exactly the same so it's like you know the first time when when we'd written something and I heard her actually singing it it was just like hearing you know torn or something and I was just like oh my god (laughs) very very special she's very very cool were you writing for other people or for her well for her so fingers crossed I mean, I'm not sure what's going on now with deadlines because everything's been pushed by like six months, hasn't it, really, because of COVID. But like, um, fingers crossed, there'll be things coming out. I don't know if it'll be later this year or early next year or something. But yeah, watch this space because we've written some beautiful songs. 
So I really hope they see the light of day. You know, you never really know as a songwriter what's going to end up coming out. And that can be quite hard because you work so hard and every day you're just trying your best, trying to make something really meaningful. And then you don't really have control over whether anyone ever hears it. And that can be quite tough. But I just, you have to just cross your fingers and be like, I believe in that song. They have, you know, I'm just hoping it finds its way through all the stages until like it can be released especially when you're excited about a song in the studio and you both know it's a good song or whoever you're working with it must be really frustrating to be like well it might do something it might not but then surely you could go back to that song if it doesn't get used for the original purpose can you not then use it for something else or someone else yeah and actually sometimes slightly older songs that haven't been used have ended up being pitched for adverts and things like that because that's something that my publishing company have been really good at and so you never really know it's like a good song is never gonna really go away like it's always there and make and some of them just take a bit longer to find their place in the world so you've got to just keep believing really and then sometimes yeah I mean sometimes I do go back and think okay maybe I'll tweak that idea because it would be perfect for this person or this thing but I have to say most of the time I'm trying to move forward and like write the next idea and write the next thing because psychologically somehow that's better. But it's weird. Yeah. I never like to completely like abandon a song and think, you know, it's nice to think it might still come out in some way and might find its place in the world. Actually, because you had one of your songs as Fiona Bevan on an HSBC advert, didn't you? Yeah. Slow-mo tiger glow. So how was that? Did that come to you after the whole One Direction thing or was it before all that? Yeah, it was after the One Direction thing. So after 1D happened and I made my album, um, Slow Mo Tiger Glow was one of the singles that came out after that. And um, and I think it was the label. So I made my album and then licensed it to a label. And that was really lovely. The first time I'd had anything out on a proper label, really. Um, and they were like pitching, but it was almost like a year after my album came out. It was, you know, eight months or something. And I didn't know they were like pitching all the time. So it's a lovely surprise. And it was a big, it was a really big one. It was like, it ran for a whole year and it was international as well. So it was a really, I mean, it's so strange, like seeing my, my love song on like a more, you know, on a mortgage advert (laughs) it was really weird but it's kind of it was a really cute advert with like a family moving into a new home and a cute baby and a dog and like it was really sort of moving and nice but just like yeah very odd the things this journey that we're on is just so strange sometimes isn't it (laughs) and the same song was used for BBC drama as well wasn't it yeah so um I guess maybe like a year and a half ago they got in touch um it was the same writer who'd made Cutting It. Do you remember the drama about the hairdressers in Manchester? Yeah. So like, and I th- I always thought that was great. And like, I really, and I was really, really up for them using it. And they wanted to use it as the end credit music of the series. Um, so yeah, at the end of epi- every episode, my song was like the closing music. And it was really sweet. And they used it in the trailer as well. So it was really, really nice. And I recorded like an acoustic version of Slow Mo for that um for that BBC drama so it was a really nice little because that was probably like three years after the album had come out or two and a half years or something so that just shows that it's never over you know there's always new things like coming and 
it's like once a song is out, it can have such a long life and it can, it takes on a bit of a life of its own, really. And you never know how far it can go. It's really extraordinary. Mm. Have you ever written one of your songs for yourself and then thought, actually, this would be better for one of the artists you get put with or the other way around? Well, yeah, I mean, it happens a lot because I suppose before I go into a session, I do a lot of brainstorming. And, you know, because I like walking into a session with loads of ideas up my sleeve. I hate, like, you know, just in case nothing comes to me in the in the moment. Um, and sometimes during that process, I'm like, do you know what? I'm actually brainstorming on an idea that I've been wanting to write f- about for me for ages. So sometimes it's like, well, I never would have started to write that idea if I wasn't thinking about this artist that I'm going to go in with tomorrow, but... So it's very strange. But, you know, actually, I try not to sort of hog ideas to myself because I always think, you know, you need to put your best foot forward when it comes to, like, writing with other people, you know, because if it's a kind of crappy song, it's not going to come out and it's not going to go anywhere. So you've always got to be, like, trying to write your best song. And I kind of think of it like, you know, if you were a painter, you wouldn't want all the paintings you've done to just, like, stack up and gather dust in the attic you want them to be in people's houses and you want them to be out in galleries and stuff. So it's like, it's very powerful to to get your ideas out there into the world, um, even if it's through other people's things. And I think I've always had this strong belief that like, you know, you shouldn't really go, but that's a really brilliant idea. I want to keep it for myself. You know, it's actually like, you know what, I'm going to give it to that artist and let them carry it out far and wide into the world. And you've got to have faith that you can write a song that's even better than that because you've got to have faith that you're getting better and better otherwise like you might as well give up do you know what I mean yeah do you ever get nervous when you're with like big artists that you've you know you've you've known respect and definitely (laughs) yeah definitely and it can be quite intimidating um well sometimes it's not even necessarily the ones that are more famous it's so weird how every day is totally different as a songwriter and sometimes you can just be feeling super nervous anyway or you're really feeling the pressure, maybe like the label's putting on loads of pressure because they're like, they're desperate for a song and I don't know, there are, there are a lot of things that can create nerves but actually now that I've been doing this for a while I realise that often like everyone in the room is feeling the same thing and feeling the same nervousness or the same kind of anxiety because we've never met and we're suddenly having to like tell each other about our breakups or whatever it is so it's like so you have to sort of have a bit of faith that whatever you're feeling you're not alone in it and actually sometimes it helps if you go if you can actually express it and then maybe you'll even write a song about it or something a big part of being nervous and anxious is thinking that no one else feels that way and everyone else has just got it and they're confident and they know what they're doing and and actually everybody is totally scared <laughs> all the time <laughs> you know and also everyone wants it to be a hit everyone wants the success from the session don't they so ev- everyone's also got the same goal yeah exactly and they all want to make something as amazing as possible but yeah it can feel very pressured and very odd and sometimes if it's not happening, it takes a lot, but it takes a lot of of guts to do it. But sometimes you have to just be like, guys, let's just leave this, go for a walk, maybe try another one, or maybe just like call it a day and go to the pub or something. Because you know, 
sometimes you're just all smashing your heads against a brick wall and it's like no I don't think good songs get written that way what was it like judging the Ivor novellos you were a judge weren't you it was one of the most inspiring things I've ever done actually because everyone else on the panel was also a musician so like all you know all these songs are being judged by musicians it's not like people who work in the industry it's people who make music you know we really really were trying to reward the best actual music so it was that felt really pure and really amazing something I love about the Ivers is that it's really really all about the song and it was so cool to be part of that and like I'm actually part of their songwriting committee now so I'm kind of helping feed information in about what it's like being a songwriter and what the struggles are that we face. It's been a really inspiring thing to be part of with a really a really amazing bunch of people because sometimes it's such a hard industry and I think just to even be in a situation where I can be trying to help make it a little bit better even even though that might take a while it just feels really good and really proactive and I think it's given me a really, a really good shot in the arm. Have you ever been influenced by anything politically or socially for your own staff or for an artist, if that's been something they wanted to talk about? Well, I think I've never written a sort of protest song in so many words, I don't think. Not, not really, really overtly, but I have to say that, like... I feel the way that politics comes into our lives and in a way I write about that all the time because I think so many elements of our lives are affected by political decisions and political situations. Like I sort of think everything is political so I think actually probably every song is political. Um, I wanted to go back to some of your big named uh, artists that you've worked with. So you've worked with Mika... And Steps. So the Steps thing was relatively recently, wasn't it, in the last couple of years? Yeah. And that came about because um, when I was younger, I used to work in a music shop. And my friend that worked in the music shop with me was, like, obsessed with Steps. And they were her favourite band. And, you know, she just loved them. And I kind of never... And I did, at the time, I did acknowledge that they had some really good songs and stuff, but I wasn't like a fan in that way. But when when I heard they were making a kind of comeback album, I thought, wouldn't it be like so amazing if I had a song on that album and then I could tell her and, and I could just imagine her like losing her mind. I ended up writing with this producer called Carl Ryden, um, who's Swedish, but he hadn't really heard of Steps, but I kind of explained to him how they're like the British ABBA, and he was like, okay. <laughs> and then we just like had so much fun writing, because we did all the crazy kind of like ABBA chord sequences, and like just really fun, like really dance floory kind of fun, bright, multicoloured kind of, you know... And I love writing music like that where you're really thinking about what everyone's going to do when they hear it and like the dance, it's like stupid dance moves they're going to do and stuff like it's just so fun. <laughs> and actually then they loved it and we ended up writing about like three or four songs for them and fingers crossed there's stuff on the next album as well that they're going to do. So excellent. It's been a really sweet collaboration and they're all really lovely. 
so I did actually see them play the O2 and they sang our song and like every single person was singing all the words and that was like incredible so so it has happened <laughs> and, you know very very sweet very very special you've also worked quite a bit with Tom Walker did you already know him before you started writing with him yeah I think yeah my old manager set me up with him I didn't know him um at all because I actually started writing with him before he had any fame and I mean he'd had he'd put out one song I think um but he really hadn't started the big career that he has now and um and we just really hit it off when we worked together and there were two couple of different producers that we both really loved working with so we we wrote loads together and it was just so fun we're really really good mates and like for the first time before I wrote with him I listened to that song that he'd put out and sort of heard that really growly part of his voice and thought right I've got to write a song where he really like roars in the chorus and we use that bit of his voice and it was like really because to me I kind of knew that if I heard that voice on the radio I'd be like that has to be Tom Walker because that's and that's what really excites me it's like that unique quality that an artist has and so yeah with the first one we wrote I think the first one we wrote was called Play Dead and that ended up being one of his singles and and then yeah we went on to write like loads and loads of stuff it's so it's so sweet so lovely because you end up being friends when you've worked with someone so much don't you and you just know each other so well you're both like sharing all these emotions and you know talking about life the whole time you end up just like being besties it's really sweet absolutely uh, were you in the same room as Lewis Capaldi when you started working with him I mean, he's had quite a good year, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just had an unbelievable year, hasn't he? But yeah, it was also before he was famous um, and he was just getting everything ready before before his first EP, really. And um, we just had one day together and we wrote Tough and he brought the idea of that with him to the session and it was such a good idea. We were with this producer, Jonathan Cornby, and me and Jonathan were both just like, because he, I think he was like, we could write a song about this. I think I brought an idea. You know, we were all just talking about what we should write about. And then he went, I've got this idea. And he played us a little bit. And me and Jonathan were like, yeah, we have to write that song. Like, we all just felt it. And then we wrote it and finished it that day. So that was tough. But I love his voice as well. He's got that same quality in his voice where you could just tell a mile off that it's Lewis. It's amazing. I love that. Yeah. What's the song you're most proud of as a songwriter? As in, it could be one of your own, it could be one... And it doesn't have to be your most successful, just the one that you're most proud of musically or lyrically. Oh my God, that's so hard. Um, It is quite a hard question, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I suppose with Aurora, I ended up writing some, some stuff that really meant a lot to us. And actually, Queendom which was on her EP last year. It's it's just such a powerful female song and it meant so much to us and and the way we wrote it was so organic and stuff. So I'm really really proud of that one. The underdogs are my lions. The silent ones are my choir. The women will be my soldiers with the weight of life on their shoulders. Drink until you've had enough. I'll drink from your hands. I will be. 
it feels amazing to be able to write a sort of powerful female song like that for such an incredible artist as Aurora. And then she's out there every night on tour, you know, like just kind of exploding with that power and freedom and love. And it's just, it's just extraordinary. It's got something really magic about it that song so maybe that one we've just got one more question um what song do you wish you'd written so a song by somebody else that you thought gosh I wish I wrote that okay well I kind of wish I'd written Jolene by Dolly Parton I've just never heard a song quite like it before or since. The way that it's like such a sort of vulnerable, honest, desperate appeal from one woman to another. Like, please don't take my man. You know, you could easily have him if you wanted, but but don't do it for me. Um, and I've someone. I'm someone who's been cheated on, and I suppose it. The first time I heard it, it really resonated so strongly with me because it was like if that other woman had known had thought about how I felt maybe she wouldn't have done it and if I'd known her and if I could have said to her like please don't do it it's kind of so I think it's kind of like a female that female solidarity is like really really strong and meaningful to me but also the melody of it is just incredible the groove of it is incredible I could listen to it like every day and never get bored of it and you know if I could just write one of them during my life I'd be so happy, you know. It's one of those ones. Extraordinary. Since recording this episode, Fiona co-wrote the track Unstoppable on Kylie Minogue's number one disco album. Natalie Imbruglia's album has been released and she's been in the studio writing with the likes of Nile Rogers and Bjorn from ABBA. And also, alongside Nile Rogers, she was one of the songwriter representatives to give evidence in the government's recent music streaming inquiry. If you want to know more about Fiona, please follow her Instagram page at Fiona Bevan. And if you want to listen to more of her music, please have a listen to our specially curated Spotify playlist to go along with this episode. If you want to know more about me, please visit louisegolby.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. This podcast is produced by Unedited.